you are listening to the Chasing PRs podcast. And if you are training for a marathon, or if you want to train for a marathon, you have kids, work full time, you don't want to miss this episode. We have great tips for you. Stay tuned. Hi, we are your hosts, Rochelle Weeks and Diego Alcubierre. And with over 20 years of combined experience in coaching and physiotherapy, we created this podcast to help everyday runners who want to make the most out of their training and achieve new personal records while managing work, family, and life outside running. Welcome. Hello, welcome to another episode of Chasing PRs. I am Diego. And I'm Rochelle. And it, for us, it's good to be back because it's been two weeks since we recorded the last episode. I know people, if you are listening, you had your episode every week, but we, we had to pre-record one to, because Rochelle went on vacation. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I haven't seen you in ages now. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Two weeks. It's so strange. Sometimes yeah. we see each other like two or three times a week. Yeah, so and two now, weeks is a long time. Yeah. Um, well, tell us, how was your trip? Oh, it was really good. You went to Wales. We went to Wales. We went to, I guess you'd call it the south of Wales. We took a train from London to Cardiff, and then we went to a park called uh, the Brecon Beacons. Okay. And it's just a beautiful park full of trails and that you can run or hike. And we stayed in a little village called Crickowl. So we did a lot of running and hiking and visiting the pubs. <laughs> <laughs> did you so sweat all the bear? Yeah, basically. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, yeah, it was really nice. And a lot of the trails there, if you pick the right ones, you're like the only ones there. So okay. it's not crowded with a bunch of people. And I didn't fly out my Achilles. I was worried. Ne neither your hamstring. Or my hamstring, because there was a lot of elevation. Okay. And so, but I was really good about it. When we were doing trail runs and there was a big climb, I would just walk. And I would take my time. And I, every day I kind of woke up and reevaluated how things felt. And then I would say to my husband, like, yeah, we can go run today or we can hike. There's one day I woke up and I was like, no, I need to take today because I could just feel, I wasn't feeling anything really, but I could feel it brewing. Okay, kind of. yeah. So I was like, let's take rest day. So it was, it was fine. And did you think about your marathon training at all? I did. Yeah? Yeah. So you, you tried to train? I did. I got the first week because... If we, if I didn't get my hamstring injured before I went, yeah. I would have just ran when I wanted to ran, run and just enjoyed the trip and relaxed a bit more. But I had two kind of lower mileage weeks because my stupid hamstring. And then for Wales, we left Wednesday back Thursday. So that's like another two weeks interrupted. Oh, yeah. So if I was like, I don't need to run, that would have been a month of training where I was running like 20K a week, okay. which is not good. Um, some people could do that and then dive back into 50, 60 K weeks. My body would like not no, do well fine. with that. I'd get injured. So the first week I managed to do 52 K, I think. And then the second week it was like high forties. Okay. But that was without the hiking. So that was like oh, okay. on just top the, of just the, running. That was just the running. Okay. So I didn't right. get a big long run in, but I got like a 19 K hike in. And you were super active. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like. Part of me is like, oh, I didn't get a long run in. But but you're ready to get back for... into a full week of yes. training. Yeah, yeah. So, and with it's this heat. So hot here. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to be whiny for a second. <laughs> Ottawa is so hard to be a runner in. Yeah. Because you, like, so me and Matt ran a long run. We did 23K on Sunday. And I have a picture of him and myself running together. I think it was February. And my eyelashes and my eyebrows are like snowy and frozen and he's freezing. And then we did like 38 humidity. On Saturday. So I don't know if there's very many other cities in the world where you have to learn to 
running minus 30 and plus 30 and beyond. Yeah. So it's, it's hard, but sometimes I like whine about it. And then sometimes I'm like, I'm so hardcore. I'm so tough. I'm out here running. And it's like, I actually was thinking about that on Tuesday. It was hot. I I run at like 10 in the morning and I was thinking about that. Like, okay, this, if you live in Ottawa, you're a great runner. You can become a great runner because it's really hard to train in, in good weather. Yeah. Either where it's in snow, freezing cold, or crazy hot. So when good weather comes and you go into a fall race in the U.S. or whatever, yeah. it's like, okay, I think I can fly. And uh, yeah, it's hard, but uh, I think it's beneficial at the end. Yeah, it, it works on your mental game. Yeah, for sure. And usually our races are like April, May, or like October. Yeah. So that's when the nice weather is. Yeah. So you get and, to race in the good stuff. Yeah, and the other, what, the other thing I was thinking is... Uh, Races, we expect always races to be perfect. Mm-hmm. The perfect weather, the perfect breakfast, the perfect night before, and they're usually not. Yeah. So this is good preparation because if you're training, if you are used to training every time with perfect weather, mm-hmm. with perfect conditions, you are not training when things go wrong yeah. during a race. You don't learn how to suffer exactly. very well. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so that's your past week of training. Yeah, yeah, it was hiking. good. Lots of hiking, lots of running, lots of drinking English ales in random pubs. It was good. <laughs> there are a lot of pubs. Like yeah. you can, you, it, you can really tell. That, okay, there are too many pubs here. There's. We sp- stayed in a really small village called Krakow, and there was five pubs okay. with like real cask ales, and you would go in. There'd be like eight taps. In these tiny little villages, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was really cool. Before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my weeks of training. Well. You've uh, raced a lot. I raced a lot. Yeah. Two You're times 5K well. yeah. in consecutive weeks. Yeah. Um, and that was after Formula Run. Yeah. With the, which we talked about already, but yeah. Yeah. I yeah. haven't done any big long run because of that, because it was Formula Run and then uh, two consecutive weeks of 5Ks, but uh at the, at, the, at, at the beginning, I wasn't happy with my times. Uh, I ran the first one. It was like June 22, 23, 24. Was that something. Chase the Pace? Chase the, the Pace. Yeah. Okay. Really fun, really fun event from mile to marathon. Uh, they really had great pacers there and there. And it's the first time I think I didn't look at my watch. So you just trusted the pacer and went? Yeah. What pace bunny did you follow? The 17 minutes. Okay. I didn't accomplish it. I, I think I hung up. Hang on until lap six or seven of 12. Okay. And then I started to fall back, fall back, fall back, fall back. It was hot, right? It was crazy hot, like yeah. 30 something with a humidex. Uh, so and I, on a track, there's no shade. No. But it was it was really fun. I, I love the experience. Uh, my son ran the 400 meters and it was super fun. And I ended up with 8.17.56. Oh, that's, so you still got under 18 minutes yeah. and it's hot. So I wanted to go under, I only, I've only, Went under 17 minutes twice in my life. Okay, so you wanted to do it a third time. Yeah, because yeah. it's a track and a pacer, but I haven't been training for th- for a 5K and it yeah. was crazy hot, so okay. And then the following week on Saturday, on Canada Day, July 1st, I ran the Canada Day run that it's here, uh, and I ran in 1740. Oh, wow. So 16 seconds, 15 seconds faster. And not on a track. Not on a track, yeah. hilly. It was a little less hot. I'm not going to say cool or 
Yeah, it's <laughs> it not. A it looked co- hot and smoky too. Yeah, because I, the forest fires around are causing a lot of air quality issues. So, I, I, on, on one hand, you want to be a faster runner and always achieving you know, PRs, but on the other hand, it's like, okay, I'm, I can run sub 18 any day of the week, and yeah. I'm happy with that. I'm not training for that. My mileage is not there. My training is not there, and I can do it. I'm, I'm happy with that. And yeah. the second thing is that. Um, I use the B dot calculator to calculate my time in a ideal race conditions on weather wise, and it's like a seventeen fifteen. Okay. And uh, and the funny thing is that it was very consistent. I, I input, for example, the eight seventeen fifty six of uh, the chase the pace, and it told me seventeen twenty in ideal race condition, and that seventeen twenty translated to seventeen forty at the weather we had on Saturday morning. Oh, interesting. So okay. it was really consistent, that part. And if I'm able to run a 17.20 right now, also the video calculator says that I can run at two hours and 45 minutes tomorrow. Which is your goal. Which is my goal. Yeah. And I'm very happy because like three months before the marathon, I already have the pace mm-hmm. to that, the speed. I only need to work on my long runs and my endurance. So I'm fit. right now, those two races being very consistent. Uh, in pace-wise, considering the weather, I'm happy with the results because of the marathon and like everything is clicking. I just yeah. need to uh, stay injury-free, consistent, and start doing long runs. Yeah, get the long runs in and the volume. Yeah. That's the tricky part I find with VDOT and these race calculators because sometimes you'll have someone come in and they put in their 5K and it's like, oh, it says I can do a 3.30 marathon. But they, they're not doing long runs. Their weekly mileage is 40 the speed as well but it's like that volume has to happen too so it's kind of like with with the right training and you know what to do because you've done good marathons in the past yeah but it's it's that good training has to happen for the calculator to be accurate but i need something very different than when i started mississauga or boston because it was during winter so i don't i don't i don't get to run that fast because the footing is terrible so i'm happy with that because i already have the speed i just need to maintain it and build my and it's fun and yeah, it's it's very true. It's not that, oh, you run a mile in five minutes, you can run a marathon in three hours. Mm-hmm. Yes, ideally, but you need to build endurance. Yeah, it's like you have the potential with the right training. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but you're on the right track. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And my, and that helps me to cr- my pacing to be consistent with the marathon goal I want. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm happy with that. That's great. Let's let's see how it goes. Um. Okay. So let's do chasing sprints and athlete of the week. I think they are very interesting and very appropriate to the topic of today that we haven't mentioned. <laughs> it's in the title of the podcast, but yeah. we're going to talk about the 10 tips to train for a marathon when you're a parent and when you have a full-time job that it's 90% of, yeah. or 99%. And I think like we say marathon, but it's like, if you think a half marathon would be hard to train for or an ultra, like you, it kind of all the tips would kind of be appropriate for anything, but we're going to focus on the marathon. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about, but let's do the chasing sprints first. She's already smiling. She's my favorite. <laughs> I just love her. We So we had to talk about Kira D'Amato. If you follow women's marathon running in the States, you'll know Kira D'Amato. She had the American record in the marathon um, from 2019 in Houston, 219.12, and then Emily Sisson broke it. But she just on the weekend broke the half marathon record um, in the States. And she ran 106.39. Well, she broke it on Australia. Yeah. Where it's the 
the States. Yeah, is the American record broken at the Gold Coast Marathon in Australia? Yeah. And what was the time? She did 106.39. I want to run that fast. She's so, she's so good. And okay, there's two things that, two reasons I wanted to include this as the chasing sprints. One, she's not your typical runner that all she does is run and that's her career. She's a real estate agent. And I just found out she also owns like a running store in, in her home. And she's, I believe she has three kids and she's 38. So it's just like the perfect example I just for love our it. episode. Yeah. yeah. And she's just, she has kids and she's busy, but she's still just like killing all these running goals. And the other thing I like is that the beginning of her build didn't go super well. She had a little bit of an injury. There was stuff going on in her life. So it was like a little bit of a messy start to her training. And when she was interviewed after the race, she said she feels like that messy start gave her the break she needed to like really capitalize on her fitness and yeah, like we've talked about that. gave her a break, right? And I feel like that's kind of where I am because my hamstring yeah. and then my trip, I am, I wanted to be at 75k a week right now and I'm at like 50 and I'm going to do 60 this week. So I'm definitely behind, but I really had a good break after. Yeah, it's like your body's going to be ready for that. Yeah, I've got all July, August, September. Like, it just makes me feel like, okay, that kind of happened to me. And now I'm feeling good and like I can get back on track. So, yeah, she's just, and if you, if you follow her at all, she's just so fun and down to earth and like goofy. And on Strava, she always posts her runs and she's got a little joke, like dad joke, she calls them with every single run. (laughs) And she's been interviewed on like Allie on the Run Show podcast a bunch. And she's just super cool to listen to. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's really impressive. And, it's been very consistent over the past few months. In quotes, all their runners uh, are achieving amazing things. Yeah, they're killing it. And uh, I, I love it. Yeah. The older someone can be and do cool things, the more excited they get. Yeah, Because I'm sure. like, they're five years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm going to go run a 106 half, but it makes me think I that can maybe do a 130 half. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, and uh, let's go to the athlete of the week that it's also a mom. Achieving amazing things. Yeah. You are in charge of the, her name. She Is it Neely I, or Nelly? Neely Gracie? I guess. I N-E-E-L-Y, Neely Gracie. Neely Gracie. Yeah. She's a mom of two also. She's 33 years old. She's a four times Olympic trial qualifier for the marathon. And she did something amazing over the weekend, which was? She, so she ran a mile in 524, but she did it pushing a stroller. So it's a world record. Yeah. The fastest mile by a woman pushing a stroller, 524. That is so fast. Yeah. Um, Just to give you some context of how fast she is. She's a 15.25 5K runner and a 2.30 marathon runner. So I'm obsessed with numbers, as everyone knows. I input that 15.25 into the V.dot calculator, and it's a... 227 mile. Okay. So pretty so pretty close. Pretty close. And a two and a five twenty-four mile pushing a stroller, that's crazy. And if you're obsessed as us with running shoes, she used the Adicero Pro 3 running shoes. Okay. Yeah. So she had super shoes on. Yes. Interesting. On a track. So they work on a track with a stroller. Yeah. Um I was this close to buying those shoes until you amazingly found me some Alpha flies into hundred bucks. Yes. Yeah. So I changed it. I end up. Well, to, They're so cheap. You the, couldn't. No, pass on that. Yeah. Because I really want to try some Adidas 
shoes, mm-hmm. but I couldn't pass on from Alpha Flight into 100 bucks. They were the only, so our friend Kim writes this picture to, to a group of us and says, I'm at Sports Check. These super shoes are the only ones here and they're this cost. And size 11, I was like, why do I think Diego size 11? <laughs> yeah. They were the only shoes in the store that were super shoes. That one. one size and yeah. they're your favorite shoes. Yeah. I use them one, not only to feel them. Yeah. They still feel awesome. So you'll wear them in Chicago? I, I'm not sure because you, do you remember I still, I have the Alpha Flies 2. Are they the ones that gave you blisters? Yes. Okay. I didn't like that much. So, but I ran my 5K on Saturday with those and they felt awesome. Okay. So now I don't know which one of, yeah. because both of them are new. You have one lots of time to decide. One 6K on, the other ones have like 15K on. And uh, so I have three months to decide. Yeah, which lots one's of time. Like, yeah, which yeah. one I'm going to use. But yeah. One of those for sure. And thank you for going and getting Yeah, it. yeah, no problem. Um, so let's go into the episode. I think it's very interesting because you want to train for a marathon and that's a big commitment, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't start your training on the right foot with the right mindset, with the right strategy, I think you are setting up your, so yourself for failure because mm-hmm. things are not going to go as planned. And uh, that's that's the goal of the of the episode. We are gonna we both run marathons recently. We both achieved new PRs. We both qualified to Boston. We both are parents. We both have full time jobs. Mm-hmm. So I think you can get learn a lot from this from this episode. So we have ten tips for you. As always, it's not like you need to go and do the ten at, at the same time. Yeah, you just add one at a time to your schedule. Uh, making part of, make it part of, make them part of your life and start improving from there. And just pick which ones you think will be most powerful for you yeah. and, and help you the most. Yeah, which yeah. one, which were the low-hanging fruit, we always say, or the yeah. weakest link, uh, which one of these 10 are. Sometimes, some some of them are really easy, are just kind of mindset. Some of them are really more, more I'm not going to say complicated, but take more time. But um, let's start with number one. It's understanding the challenge and setting setting up realistic goals. What's like your experience with this part? I I think this is the absolute first thing people need to think of when they're considering a marathon because people get the goal in mind and the outcome is, oh, I want to do a marathon, but they don't sometimes understand the process of training for one. Yeah. So I think they people need to understand like you need to have the time to get these long runs and you need to have time to get your weekly mileage up. I've had people come in and they're like, I really want to do a marathon. And then I'm like, okay. And I start doing up a program and they start telling me they can only run two, maybe three times a week. And they don't have time to run more than two hours on long runs because they've got kids and their partner can't have them go on for more than two hours. And in this case, it's like, instead of saying, no, you have to run four or five times a week, you have to do three hours. It's kind of like, Maybe it's best not to do a marathon right now and you wait until down the road when the kids are older or life is, you're in a different place and you have more time. But I think, like you said, set yourself up for success. Understand what you're, the commitment you're getting yourself into and make sure you can actually handle it without your family starting to resent running and you starting to resent running and getting injured because you're not getting any sleep because you're stressed getting everything in. So Yeah, running a marathon, it's not running a 5K for sure. It's way easy to get injured to get frustrated, to run the marathon at the end and be sad or depressed or angry of your time. And it's 
a lot of times it's because you didn't start the training with the right mindset. <laughs> and that goes with setting up realistic goals. Yeah. And that's really hard because all of us want to run a sub three hour marathon, a sub four hour marathon, a 3.30, a Boston qualifying time, blah, 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 blah. They are super easy to, to, to think of those goals, but you have no idea. Well, you can have an idea with a test and with a coach and, uh, where your fitness is and what's a realistic goal. But I think that's, that's very important. And maybe if you say, okay, if my realistic goal is four hours and I don't want to run a marathon in four hours, that's too slow for me. It's like, you just say, wait, yeah. right? So standing, understanding that, that it's a big commitment. It's a big challenge. I will, I will suggest that, no, that's number three. So I'm not, so, <laughs> I'm not yeah, we'll, we'll get to that one, but there's, before we go down to number two, there's. I'll just say there's a reason when I want to sign up for a marathon, I discuss it with my husband first. Yes. It's a family decision because I'll say, like, are you okay with me doing another four months where I'm gone for two, three hours every Sunday and I'm sneaking in runs here and there and track and all that stuff. And we, we just make sure that we can both are on the same page. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's super important. And the second point is, you, can, you want to say it? Yeah. Time management. That's key. That, yeah. Because you need, you need to plan to get your long runs and your speed sessions and everything into your schedule. And sometimes you, you need, you, you're going to need to compromise other things. That's for sure. In my case, it's sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's hard because uh, you need to get up earlier. You often run late at night too, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. then it's hard to come home and go right to bed because you're hyped up from your run. Exactly. And... So in, in this case, what, I do is early morning runs or late night runs and mm -hmm. adjusting your schedule towards that, right? Knowing that you're going to have a full day at work. I, I love to, and I make it my priority to have dinner with my kids. And after that is when I can go out for a, for a yeah. run. So sometimes I'm going out for a run at 9 p.m., 10 p.m. Uh, at night, even in winter. Obviously, I go to the gym at 10 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah, it's it's part of life. And if you want to have a successful marathon and a successful training block, you're going to need to compromise things and adjust your schedule. Yeah. And I think it looks different for everyone. Like for me, getting my marathon training in, I'm it's a bit easy for me because I'm, I'm on contract at my work, so I set my schedule. So I will usually run at my lunch breaks. Okay. Because um, I don't. I don't enjoy running early in the morning and then I don't mind running in the evening, but I'd rather not. So I'll often run in the middle of the day, but that means running when it's like 38 with the humidity out. So it's like another sacrifice. Like this is the time of day I want to run, but it's when the weather is the worst. Yeah. So you adjust expectations and, but it looks a little bit different for everybody. It depends on people's work and what they're able to do with regards to. But just know that you, you, you will, I think you will. I'm going to say you will need to adjust because if you're a parent and work full time, you will need to adjust mm -hmm. somehow to get the volume in. Yeah. And um, yeah. So uh, one thing I've, I've done, especially in summer, about tight management, it's to run very early on Saturday morning and very late on Sunday night. So I have a full weekend mm -hmm. with my family. Because if it's I go, I would love to go Saturday and Sunday at 10. Yeah. Right. Because I can wake up late, I can have breakfast with, with my kids. But if I do that, we don't have a weekend. Yeah. There's no way we can go to the beach they could, or have a picnic or do whatever. There's no way we can do that. So if I run really early on Saturday and really late on Sunday, 
I kind of have a full weekend mm -hmm. with them. Uh, I don't care about winter because we don't do much so yeah, it's during winter. winter. <laughs> but during summer, uh, I just want to be outside with them. All yeah. So yeah, time management, early morning runs and late nights are can save your life. Uh, and the third one is incorporating your family into your training. Mm -hmm. You can do that all the time, but you can do as Neely Gracie and push a stroller with yeah. your two I'm still doing that with Emily. Emily's five, but she's pretty light and she doesn't mind her stroller. And we've got a Bob stroller. Yep. I'll run up to 8K with her in the stroller and she loves it. Like we go, there's horses by our house, so we'll run past the horses. I'll run to a bridge. It's not ideal because I usually, I'll run 6K and at 3K we'll stop on this bridge and she likes throwing sticks off one side and watching them float under the bridge and go together. <laughs> and we may be there for like 20, 30 minutes yeah. and then I run back. Yeah. So it's like, an interrupted 6K, but it's better than... Nothing. Yeah, exactly. And it's a way great to hang out with your kids. Yeah. Right now, what I'm starting to do, it's with my daughter. She she doesn't, she doesn't like to run, but she loves, loves to bike. So she's my training partner. Bike. Yeah, she'll I, bike alongside you. Yeah. yeah, so sometimes she starts to go faster and I tell her, okay, wait for me at the next crossing. She waits for me there. We cross together and she goes on again. And uh, we did 8K the other day. And uh, she got really excited because oh, I, I I told her obviously you need you need to to lure your kids. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you need to. I like them. that you said lure, not bribe. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I was like, um, you know, I feel like a pro. I told her the other day because pros run with their coach and they're on their backs and they do the they do the pacing. So oh, and she started. You need to to tell me how to pace you. And she she has her her own Garmin and stuff like that. And she started. We can do that two times a week. And, and I was like, yeah, perfect. Yeah. So it's a great way for her to exercise, for us to bond and to hang out and for me to get my runs, mm -hmm. especially my easy runs. I feel like there's a there's an awkward age with kids. Like right now, Emily, we've got this, I um, can't remember the, it's called a WeHoo bike. Okay. And so it attaches to my husband's bike and it pulls behind and she's got pedals and a seat that she reclines into and she's strapped in so she can pedal or not. Yeah. And she's behind Jeff and she loves it. But there's a, there's a phase when I feel like they can be in the little ride along seat and you can push them in the stroller and like Maria can go with you on the bike. But there's an in-between phase when they're like kind of too big to be in the ride along like the, or in the stroller, but yeah. they're not big enough to keep up with you and go for like five to 10K on a bike. Yeah. But you just be patient and get you'll yeah. get to that phase and then hopefully they're interested in it. For example, what I'm doing with my son, he's six, is like I have my home gym and he goes down with me and I give him like a ball. So I use a kettlebell. Okay, let's do kettlebell swings. And I'm obsessed. I've never talked about this, but I love Turkish get-ups. They're hard. They're hard, but yeah. I think I work my whole body, yeah. my shoulders. I love Turkish get-ups. Uh, so I was on Monday doing Turkish get-ups and he's learning to do Turkish get-ups and kettlebell swings, but with a, with a ball. And I did ball slams and he had a ball. So we had like 25 minutes of a great workout and he was there with me just learning and yeah. being. Uh, so yeah, I, I try to in involve them as, as much as I, as I can. Sometimes it's hard because the other day I went with, with my daughter for a bike ride. I ran and I came back and Javi was already with his running shoes. Okay, we need, we need to go for a run. And I'm like, dude, I just ran 8K. But okay, let's go. <laughs> Can't say no to that. No. <laughs> So we went for another K and, uh, but yeah, I, I think it, it's, it's part of it. And 
Uh, involving your family and talking with them, as you just mentioned, I during Boston, the Boston training during this winter, I trained more than, not more than ever, because when I was training for a half Ironman, I trained more. But I asked my wife in the middle of it, do you feel I'm less time at home? Am I neglecting you guys as, yeah. a, as a family? And she said like, no, actually, no. You so knew you were doing a good job yeah, of your exactly. time management. Then. Yeah, they were all asleep yeah. and I was at 10 o'clock at the gym. Yeah, so. yeah. she's like, I don't notice your coffee. <laughs> yeah. but, but it's important to to talk with them so you don't yeah. get... Have that like open communication because yes. the last thing you want is your family to start resenting your running because yeah. then you go for runs and you feel guilty. Yeah. And I think it's knowing when to when you're pushing the boundary a little bit too yeah. much. Like sometimes I'm like, I'd really like to go for a run, but I ran... 28k yesterday and this maybe yeah. i should wait until after and sometimes uh, you've told me that you make up with jeff oh make how do you say it like you do things for him we'll kind of trade exactly yeah yeah like i'll go run and then i'll come back and be like okay me and emily are gonna go run a bench errands we'll be back in two hours so you then he has the house yourself. to himself exactly. he can do whatever he wants and yeah. i'm just like we're gone so it, it i kind of try not make it up to him but try to have an even trade so it's, yeah. he gets a little bit that's, that, that's too. That's really important. Yeah. Uh, let's do number four. So staying fueled and hydrated. It, it may sound stupid to say this, but I think it's super important because you need more energy than ever because you're training for a marathon, you have a work, you have kids, you have a family. So your fueling and your hydration need to be on point mm -hmm. to be, to have as much energy as possible. It's, we have this part, obviously you need to, hydrate and fuel properly to train for any race, even if you don't have kids, even if you're a professional athlete. We have a full episode about fueling. Yeah. So I, I recommend you to, to, to listen to it. But I wanted to add this one because it's super important to time your meals so you have that constant source of energy and being well hydrated to sustain this crazy lifestyle mm -hmm. that it's having kids, working, and working, training for a marathon. And you just, I feel like you can forget Sometimes, like I did the 5K for Ottawa Race Weekend last year, mm -hmm. and my husband and Emily came down, and I w it was at like six o'clock at night, and I was just so concerned with making sure Emily had supper and she had something to drink because it was hot and she was in the shade and like Emily, 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 that I get to the start line and I'm like, I haven't eaten since one o'clock. Okay, it was six o'clock. Yeah, and I had like goo and Gatorade and all the stuff I was gonna take a half hour before, or ten minutes before, or whatever. It was all in the stroller with Emily and Jeff, which was like gone. And I just went, oh, like I just forgot, which yeah. is not yeah. like me because I usually really like eating and I eat a lot. <laughs> um, but it is easy. Like you focus on your family and you forget about yourself. So yeah. I think it's important, like get home from your run. And yes, it's it's time to take, you know, take be a mom or be a dad. Yeah. But first get the protein and get the carbs in, yeah. refuel and then dive into parenthood again. Totally. I think it's like when you're on an airplane, like you put your oxygen mask first yes. and then you put it to your kids that's the same thing you need to be on top of your game and your health and your energy to be able to be with your kids because yeah. if you don't do that you're going to be like a rack all afternoon with your kids tired i'm trying to sleep and stuff like that uh, so yeah that's important i remember one time when my wife was pregnant one cousin told me oh get ready to have cold meals all the time because your kids are your priority right <laughs> And I, I remember that analogy about the airplane and no shit, I'm going to eat. And then I can attend them and I can help them yeah. to, to eat. Because you'll be more patient. Exactly. Yeah. You, if you're hungry and tired, you're, I've come on and eat. Yeah. We could freak a powder. 
<laughs> no, if not, ah, I have all the time for you to eat your hamburger or yeah. whatever. So yeah, it's very important. Uh, number five, we also have a full episode about recovery. Yeah. But rest and recovery. It can feel counterintuitive because we've just talked about time management and going out to run late mm -hmm. and early. And then they're telling me to rest and recover. Yeah. How am I doing that? Right? It's that balance. It's that balance. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this a lot, but just being aware of things can go a long way. Yeah. For example, I can think resting or sleeping. Yes, I'm going to go out for a run and be home at 11 in, at, at night. Now I need to focus on sleeping, mm -hmm. right? Instead of checking my phone, my social media or whatever, create an environment in your bedroom to have a great night's sleep. There are great books about how to improve your sleep mm -hmm. and that's a place where you can to start and when you hear the word recovery because i think people runners confuse in our opinion recovery recovery in our case what we recommend it's not foam rolling it's not massage yeah. guns what do you think it what do you see as recovery i think it's getting a good night's sleep fueling properly afterwards, hydrating and rest, but like active rest. It's because you ran 25K doesn't mean you have to sit on the couch for the rest of the day, yeah. but you're not also going to be on your feet and get like an extra 10,000 steps doing all these things. So it's kind of that active rest, but it doesn't necessarily need to be all the gimmicky tools, and massage guns and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For example, one thing I do, we, we have like these foosball table, but hockey table. Yeah. Foosball. Yeah. Yeah. Foosball, but for hockey. Okay. Okay. So that's a great way to play with my kids and be seeing them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, oh, let's jump on the trampoline. Let's go for a bike ride. Okay, no, can we do this? And we have like, I don't know, 50 different board games at my house. Yeah. <laughs> so, so those are good. Yeah, you can just exactly. sit and So relax you are and, resting, yeah. but you are spending time with your family yeah. and you're recovering for your, from your runs. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, it's it's an art sometimes too. And and I'll often someone. ask, like I think patients sometimes wonder when they come in why I ask this because I'm chatting to them about their injury. And if I get the feeling that it's a it's a stress fracture or if it's like injury number five in three years or something like that, I'll start saying like, how many hours of sleep do you get a night? And what do you do outside of your runs? And what's work life and family life and all this stuff? And I think they're kind of like, why is she asking me all these questions? But sometimes I'm trying to get around to like, are you just flat out from the minute you get out of bed to the minute you go to bed and you've got, you're so busy that you don't really have time to rest and recover and that's why you're injured all the time. Okay. So if somebody's like, yeah, I need to wake up every morning at five o'clock to get my runs in, I'll be like, what time to go to bed? If they're like, well, by the time I put the kids down and I finish up work and blah, 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 it's 11, then I would be like, this might be why you're injured all the time. You're not getting enough sleep. Even if it's good quality sleep, if you fall asleep at like 11, 1130 and you wake up at quarter to five. That's six hours it's not, the chain. It's not enough, right? Yeah. So it's just making sure like one night like that is okay. But if it's night after night after night, then that's not. You and I think, it tie, yeah, I think it ties up with understanding the challenge and setting up realistic goals. Because if you, mm -hmm. if you say, I can't, I just, there's no way I can sleep more because there's no way. Yeah. Just know that it's very probable that you're not going to run as fast as you could your marathon and you mm -hmm. need to scale back your training to not get injured. And you might get totally burnt out by the end of training and hate running because you've been forcing yourself to get up early. So why not to try asleep? a faster 5K yeah. or a half marathon or a 10K or, or whatever? So yeah. um, come back to I, it. When I, you I know there, and I'm sure there's going to be people that, oh, no, I sleep five hours a day and I've run mm -hmm. 20, 30 marathons or whatever. 
but it's not the ideal way. And I think you can have more success in other distances mm -hmm. than just being stubborn to run more. Yeah. Okay. Um, number six, understanding key workouts. And I think this is key. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, no, I think this is key because you're going to have five, six, seven workouts a week. Yeah. If you're going to need to miss one, don't miss one of the key work. Yeah. What are those key work? Long run is probably the most important. Damn long run. I think long run is the most important for marathoners. Yeah, 5K yeah. maybe not, but long runs, <laughs> Diego's favorite. And uh, the speed sessions, yeah. session or sessions, depending on your if fitness. you do one or two or yeah. more than that. It depends on your 80, yeah. 20, how much you can fit in. But uh, if you need to reschedule your schedule or rearrange yeah. your schedule, um, work, the, work them around those, those yeah. two. The, the long runs, it doesn't have to be on Sunday. That's another important. Mm -hmm. I know people that do their long runs on Mondays. Mm -hmm. uh, just get your long run, get your speed session. And all the other ones, it's not ideal that you miss them. We talked about that in the past few episodes about social media and we are lazy and you remember all of that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to miss workout. Please don't yeah. as much as you can. But if you're going to miss one or you need to rearrange your life around it, do it around your speed sessions and your long runs. Yeah. Try to fit those in at least. At least. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah. It's going to be way better than, oh, no, I missed my long run, but I did my 5K yesterday. And yeah. Then, uh, you'd rather do One, I do, I have, it made me think of the time management. One of my patients, she's got three kids and a full-time job, but she's able to run on Mondays because she works late. So she gets up early and runs Monday. So yeah. she'll go run 20-odd K, 30K on a Monday. Yeah. And it means that she's got the whole weekend with her family. But she knows, like, getting that long run in is important. You can't miss that. So she makes sure... It happens on Monday. Yeah, it's, it's super yeah. important. It, it, it can be on a Wednesday. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're spreading it. I, I always tell people try not to do like the speed workout the day before or the day after a long run. Like yeah. if those are your two most important work, spread them out. But it doesn't matter where you put them as long as they're spread out. Yeah, at least two days. If you I usually do free. speed Thursday, then don't do your long run Wednesday and then go do speed Thursday. Yeah. Move it. Move speed to yeah, Friday you need to, or something. We, we talk about that. And I think that ties up with recovery. You need to recover from your workouts to nail your next workout. Yeah. You need to recover from your workouts to really benefit from that workout. If, if, because if you don't recover from that workout, your body is not going to improve. Yeah. So if I go at uh, Wednesday night and I do my 30K long run and then I have Thursday morning my speed sessions, mm -hmm. one of those is going to be compromised. I did usually the speed session. The speed, yeah. But you're not going to recover properly for the 30K run. So you're not making the most out of that yeah. 30k run and you're not making the most out of your speed session yeah you're not getting the benefits from the 30k exactly so yeah. and that's... worst case scenario you just have a crappy speed session or best case scenario really you just your speed session sucks worst case scenario you wake up friday and you're injured <laughs> because you did too much in two days with not enough time to recover totally. yeah uh let's number seven it's you want to say Get, yeah, getting a coach, that, I think that can definitely help. If someone has the means to hire a coach, it just takes the mental part out of it. Yeah. And even myself, like I'm a running coach, you're a running coach. I'll sometimes get someone else to do a plan for me, whether it's my training program or my strength, because sometimes I just don't want to think about it. I yeah. want someone else to just tell me what to do, someone I trust. And then I'll, I'll look <laughs> at important. it and that's important because if I look at it and go, <laughs> this is stupid, I'm not doing any of this, that's no good. But it just takes the mental part out of it because that time 
spent elsewhere. Yeah, and I, yeah. I was exactly going to say that that's part of the time management, right? Because when you try to do everything by yourself, imagine you have, yeah. you need to train, you, you need to take care of your kids, you need to work, and then you need to plan your workouts. Yeah. And then you need to, oh, I didn't train yesterday because XYZ. How can I compensate? How can I adjust my, my week? That's why having a coach is, mm -hmm. is awesome. Other than coaches have a lot of experience and can help you create a better training plan. In this specific case, that mental part of it, like that time management of it, I think it's super important and worth it to to hire to hire a coach, especially when you start to missing work. Yeah. Because the number one thing I see of runners that don't have a coach that miss workouts is that they want to make up that work. Yeah. It's sometimes you just kind of let cut cut ties, be like, fair, so long workout, it's gone. I'm not going to try to do it again. But then you make up for it next yeah. time because you you have a really good workout because you've had more rest. And it, the coach also can help you to set up realistic goals. Mm -hmm. And because they are not like emotionally invested in it, they assess things in a very more yeah. in an objective way that, okay, this is your goals or this workout really affected your training. This workout didn't affect your training. Uh, we can keep on going or, or we need to scale back because you were sick for one week. So mm -hmm. that part, if, if you really want to train for, for a marathon, if you don't have a lot of time, getting a coach will help you a ton with that time management. Yeah. Uh, number eight. Getting some training partners. Yeah. And ideally, yeah. if they're training for the same marathon, yeah. it's better. Yeah. I keep telling Crystal, I regret not convincing her to sign up for Chicago because she had the qualifying time. Yeah. And and we did tell her, yo, you should sign up. And, but we didn't like really push it. And now <laughs> I kind of miss having her because we trained. We did a lot of our long runs together for Cornwall. So she's training for a 5K now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, having a, a, a partner, it's great, especially mm -hmm. for your long runs, especially when you don't want to get out, especially when it's too hot, when it's too cold. Yes. Uh, but if it's a partner that is training for the same exact, exact marathon that has a very similar training block time than you, uh, that can that can help a lot for accountability mm -hmm. to and just we you both use running like a mental break yeah like some kind of meditation and sometimes when you have a break a, a, a training partner that you can bend on and just talk and just it's it's not only the running part now it's the running and like the social part of it like like just letting go it it can be really yeah physically and mentally exactly yeah. Um, number nine, we've talked about this a lot. Don't compare to others. It's, and it's super hard. Everyone is different. And I think we've done, we've talked about don't compare to others in a performance kind of way. Yeah. In this way, it's like, you don't know their lifestyle or the life issue. <laughs> oh no, she's also a mom of two and she also works full time. And uh, and she's nailing her long runs, but you don't know anything, any yeah. any other thing about. And what you see on Instagram and Facebook is like not even half of what's actually going on in someone's life. So you just never know what's actually happening yeah. if you're comparing using others. So train your own training plan, mm -hmm. run your own race. And uh, when you start to get competitive and you want to achieve a top three, top five, whatever percentage in your marathon or in your age groups or whatever, then you can start comparing yourself to others in a sense to learn from there, mm -hmm. right? Like we've, yeah. we've talked about Scott Henry, a great runner here, and I, I follow him on Strava just to learn from his 
training. I'm not comparing. He's way faster than me. Way, way, way faster than me. But it's interesting. You'll learn from exactly. seeing what he does. Yeah. So I'm comparing my training and I see how can I improve my training. Not comparing myself in, oh, no, he's way faster. And, and, I, and I, I, I need to achieve his pacing at, his, at the long runs and at the speed sessions. It's, it's just to learn from it. Uh, but it, there, there's a, I think there's a time and place to compare yourself mm -hmm. to learn. But usually it, it's, it, it, it does more harm than good. Yeah, especially with the marathon, because I think if you're training for the same marathon as someone else and say you're at 22K for a long run and then you go on Strava and the person who's doing the same marathon just did 26. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm only at 22 and they're at 26. Or they're doing speed and it's way different than yours. This is probably when a coach helps because if you trust them, you have faith in the process and you just you ignore what the other person's doing and you just trust your schedule. Um, but that comparison can be a little bit tangly and start making you question things and then you start trying to do more and yeah. so it's better to just stick to your plan and you know pay attention to what others are doing but don't get too obsessed with it yeah i i think that you nailed it with the long run uh there are people that do 32 35 kilometer longer for a marathon i've done 28 kilometers yeah. longer for a marathon and i can be as fast or faster than other pairs other people and uh so there's a lot of ways to train for a marathon and if you trust your plan, I, I, I have a motto in life, believe in yourself, believe in your plan, believe in your product. Yeah. <laughs> That's more like a business. Business side thing, of things. Side yeah. of things. <laughs> but if you believe in those three things, everything clicks. So if you believe in yourself, you believe in your plan, you believe in your coach. Yeah. You are set up. For and then when you start to compare, you just come back to like, I'm going to stick to the plan because I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And number 10, uh, this one. <laughs> It's yeah, find the right way to word it. Exactly. We need to find it right way. It's like you you want to strive for perfection. You want to have this like perfect block, but don't panic if it's not perfect. Yes. Because especially like winter training, sometimes summer too, your kids might get sick. And then that messes up your long run because they're they've got the flu and you've got to hold, hang on to them and and then all of a sudden you're ready to get back on track and then you get sick because you <laughs> get what they had. And then now you can't do it. Like, you know, there's the things happen. And I think you have to just not stress too much if your plan, like I had the perfect plan done up for Chicago. I finished Cornwall. I was so motivated. I was like, I'm going to do this on Tuesdays. This is my long runs. I had it all scheduled. It's all gone to shit. Because <laughs> my hamstring and because of my trip to Wales. It, we started when? the first, Like a month ago, right? Yeah. June 6th. Not one of the first four weeks went according to the plan. But it doesn't mean I'm going to try to strive to get back on track and make the absolute best of the next three plus months yeah um but you know what i'm over it that like i look at that in my google doc and i'm already like oh whatever it's okay <laughs> yeah so i think what what when i learned that no one has a perfect training block no one i've never heard yeah. of anyone that okay i nailed 100 percent of my work no and they all achieve world records you just told about Kira Kiridamano. Kira yeah Dimano. She broke the world record and she didn't have a perfect training yeah, plan. The American record. And she, her training started off not great. Yeah. And if you analyze more professional athletes in basketball or in, for example, I remember one when I was 15, maybe Michael Jordan was in the finals and it was like, uh, oh, he's super sick. He didn't train for the last two days and he like scored 50 points. And he was fine. Yeah. Right. So no one has a perfect training block. No one. If you are one. I want you to have in the podcast. Yeah. How are you doing that? Yeah. Uh, but pretty much no one. So don't stress about that. I know we just said no, co don't compare yourself to others. 
But in this case, it's a positive way yeah. of comparing yourself like to others. Cautiously compare yourself exactly. to others and take the positives out of it, not the negatives. Yeah. So yeah. we hope you enjoyed this episode. It's uh, full of tips and personal experience of two runners that have accomplished their goals in the, in the marathon at the same time that kids and a full Yeah. So if you have, as always, any follow-up question, don't hesitate to write to us and see you next week. Yeah. And if there's any other tips you'd like to add, oh, let yeah, us know on Facebook or Instagram. We can add. We can do a 10 more tips to train for a marathon. Yeah, as from a listeners. Exactly. <laughs> that will be freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you love it, give it a share. Please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And visit chasingprs.run for all the latest episodes, get our free newsletter and all the cool running stuff we have there. Thanks for joining.